Hi guys, welcome to episode 28 from Two in the Tackle. Kaz and I, we do our thing, we chat our footy. Hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Roll the intro. We're back again, Kaz, mate. How are you? Back again. We've got a little streak running. Yeah. Another round of footy in the bank. Another round of running rugby, rugby league. Mm. How's good your weekend? Yeah, it's good. Got to catch a bit of footy, mate. Um... Obviously, some torrential rain leading into the weekend, so it's always good to be staying inside during that time. Uh, caught the fight on Sunday as yeah. well. The battle with the heavyweights. Yeah. Uh, so another trilogy, unfortunately, for Cormier to be on the end of. Can't, just can't get past two guys. No one else comes close to him. Yeah. Still for a big fella. Anyway, that's all right. You can't win them all, I suppose. Can't win them all. Anyway, um, my weekend was uh, filled with children, Children and children. Now, I only got two children, but they're the same bloody age. They scream at the same thing, you know, and the missus wants to go to work on the weekend. I've got to bloody carry both of them. I only got two arms. Anyway, anyway, no, it's good, it's good, but, you know, yeah, it has exactly. its ups and downs, exactly. I suppose. Anyway, let's get, let's get stuck into the show. Maybe a couple. Perhaps a couple of feisty hookers on our hands. Maybe yeah. a hooker lock. Hopefully not too feisty. Hopefully not too feisty. You know, that's another story yeah. for another day. Uh, we're going to kick off the show as we do, you know, as you kick off any footy game. We're going to run it straight up the guts, but I'm taking a first carry tonight, Kaz. I want to oh, take it. Kick it at me. Kick it at me. Yeah, I want the first carry tonight. Oh, I'm my run it straight this week. It's something that I've talked about for a while now. Uh, I haven't really spoken too much about it on the show, but it's players' numbers. Player numbers. Now... Uh, you know, number one means fullback, number nine means hooker or dummy half, number seven means the halfback. But for me, I reckon they should scrap it. They need to get rid of it. We need to adapt with the times. We need to grow up as a game. And there's a marketing opportunity there that the NRL can pounce on uh, because I sure as hell know if Sonny Bull had his own jersey, 23 with Williams on the top, you know, back in 2013, when he had his own jersey, number 12, we all would have bought the jersey. And I, I just feel as though. though they need to bring these back, bring it so that players, clubs can sell the jersey. Now, where does this come from, you're asking? I can already hear, why is this randomly just popped up? Well, Luke Brooks and Benji Marshall pretty much just swapped jumpers the other day. They didn't swap roles. They just swapped jumpers. I couldn't help but laugh to see Luke Brooks in a number six means that he has to, because he's wearing the number six, means he's doing less of a job than what he was doing before. He shouldn't have been doing the main job anyway. Benji Marshall yeah. is the chief playmaker out of the two players. Mm-hmm. And so it just made me giggle like, okay, he dropped Benji Marshall. So then the new six comes in and then he dro- eventually drops Luke Brooks. So Benji Marshall comes into seven. So when Luke Brooks comes in, he just puts him in at six. They're doing the same thing. So I just thought, okay. why do we do this? Let me let me all right, let me roll down some uh, some conditions for you. So say, all right, you've got you can choose your own number. Are yeah. there any restrictions on the number? Do you have like an American football where you go forwards are going to be like forties and sixties or forties and up or something, and backs are going to be the lower numbers, or is there any any sort of maybe the the sixes and the seven? You guys have got you guys have got different options. The halves they're going to be one of these kind of numbers. No, nah. or is it just? Whatever number you want. Like cricket. Like cricket. Like like in the soccer. The football. Sorry for all our uh, European listeners. Apologies there. Uh, no. Like in, in American football, they the numbers actually mean something. They are relevant to the position. Uh, but for me, no. 
I don't, I don't, I don't care for that. That's important in American football because apparently they have certain like uh, setups. Yeah, they have certain setups. So it actually yeah, it's relevant to the rules. So I can okay, that that's fair enough. That's relevant to their rules. Uh, same with you know like a netball. I suppose it's relevant to the rules, so they'll never ever change. They're all letters, so it's actually they wear the position, and the position dictates how much of the field they can go on. Uh, but in this one, no, I'm sick of it. I just want them to have their own numbers. Now, if James Tedesco's, you know, number one, for example, at the Roosters, and then he goes to a new club and someone else is number one, well, you have to either ask that guy to change his number or you got to get a new number, just like they're doing the Aussie rules. Just like they're doing the Aussie rules. All right, let me play devil's advocate for you. Sure. What we, what we lose... So we say we do this. We, we, you know, you have your own numbers, and um, you know, you choose what you want, and obviously all the positives that you talk about. But what about that? Seeing that number twenty-one jersey, who's been that late reserve call-up, or who can ever forget in two thousand and eighteen? Cooper Cronk was he in? Was he out? Was he in? Was he out? He's in the number twenty-three, but he's normally in the seven. So when you come out in that different jersey, because you've you've had to, you know, you've come from the the deep ends of the bench. I think Brett Finch wore number twenty. In origin in 2006, yep. 2006 when he kicked that field goal, number 20. So, you know, you lose a little bit of that. I love seeing that number 20, 21 come on and, and everyone go, who's that bloke? You'll, you'll see more of those. You'll see that more often now. But, but, but okay, well, we look at number, the You don't know that they're a late call-up, though. You, yes, do, you do. When you see number 19, 20, you just glance. If you haven't seen the team sheet, and if you just you haven't seen the team sheet, maybe you didn't hear the pregame, the game starts, and you see number 21 out, and you're like, oh. Like could be debuting somewhere on the deep end of the bench, come in late for some late injury. Um, or well, you know, just... you, you'll know exactly who he is because he's worn that jumper all year. Slash, it's got his name on the back. But anyway, in the Super League, they have it. It's no problems yeah, over there. That's true. Uh, hey, look, but, hey, I'm not against it. I just wanted to play devil's yeah, advocate with it. But also, devil's advocate, idea. for state of origin, for representative football, I'd be happy to continue going 1 through to 17 or 1 through to 13. You know, I, I can see that. So you can almost still talk about the positions in those numbers. And then when they play and for who, Queensland... And who looks after the jersey as well. Like, you know, like the Queenslanders like talking about how you pass the jersey on. Yeah. You know, those great number sevens. Correct. Because you lose a bit of that, the way we talk about the sevens and sixes and the nines. You will and you, you won't. You will and you won't. I've got two mates it's that are... Man, get, it's going to... I've got two mates that are Man United, Man, Man United fans. And they talk about how the number seven has uh, the person who's played the number seven has had a, a significant role in it. And they don't just give that number seven to anyone. Like, you know, you do to any halfback. Whoever's playing halfback, you just give them that number seven. So you can almost, as a club, you know, you might be able to retire numbers. You might. You, I couldn't see them ever retiring numbers in rugby league because it's a different, different way about approaching the numbers. But, you know, things like sixes for the Roosters, you know, Freddie wore the six and then so Maloney wore the six and, you know, Luke Keery's wearing the six now. Um, you know, if they did have this point where players had to earn, you know, that everyone had their own number, then it would it would start to be like that, that they're not just going to give Victor Radley's 13 off to anyone. You've got to earn that yeah, 13 yeah, yeah. and things like that. Anyway, Victor Radley might not want 13. Victor Radley could want, yeah. could want eight. I, I might, wouldn't blame yeah. him if he wanted eight. You know what I mean? Might Someone want, might tell He might want... 78, who knows? Yeah. 67. But, but this Everybody is a perfect knows. example. Stand up for me, Kaz. Stand up. Kevin Garnett. This Kevin Garnett. It. Now, you bought Kevin Garnett's singlet. You still wear that singlet. He ain't even got a play. That's true. That's true. 
That's true. I'd have a Freddie Fittler 38 jersey, 100%. Exactly. So there, there's the, the perfect I'm example. I definitely have a... I definitely have the Sunny Bill jersey. All right, now, that wasn't as quick a play the ball as I'd hoped, but it's your hit up That's now. That's right. I'm coming off the back fence, mate, um, and I'm coming straight at uh, the send-off, mate. Now, I'm not going to talk about the... I'm not going to go into detail about the little kiss that Kevin Proctor gave to Sean Johnson's arm, because um, that's already been talked to death. I've seen the 16-year-old walking around with hickeys that have more damage than Sean Johnson's hand. Um, but that's beyond the point. Well, it's just part of the point, actually. I want to know how Kevin Proctor gets sent off in that situation. And Sean Johnson was perfectly fine to continue that game. And then last week, Jack Hetherington takes out Martin DePauw, nearly rips his head off. He's on the ground for 10 minutes, knocked out cold, removed from the game, won't play a further part, and misses out this week in a do-or-die clash for Manly just on the weekend. Stand in the bin. You If that's not a send-off, then what is? But then you want to send someone off for biting. It's the first time anyone's been sent off for biting from a guy who not only didn't complain about, like, he said something and then, you know, whatever. It was actually Wade Graham who made the complaint. He's like, hey, he bit him. And like any captain, he's trying to get a penalty and get an advantage for his team. Sean Johnson's talking to the ref going, no, nah, I don't want a penalty. You're saying that guy off? But you're not going to send off Hetherington, who clearly has a rap sheet for it too. It's not like it was his first time. Yeah. So, yeah, just not happy with that. I, they've, they've wanted to trigger on these sin bins a little bit more um, this year and in recent years for things like professional fouls. And now we saw, uh, was it last week um, so, or the week before with the um, the Newcastle Knights player uh, attacking the legs? It oh, turned yeah. him in the bin for that. And I'm, I'm all good with that. I think that's great. But they just got it wrong. Yeah. They got it wrong. Yeah. And, same... look, and, and look, and Proctor and Johnson did literally kiss and make up after so yeah Johnson gave him a love bite of his own so yeah not having it mate not having it yeah no that's fair enough just a little bit of injustice there um, I didn't see it live I did eventually see it it was hard for me to tell uh, whether I thought it was a bite or not but whether it was a bite or not like you said it did not warrant a send off in that instance and we can compare it to an incident that happened a week before and, and yeah, it, you're bang it on. completely affected the game it completely affected the game the Titans were on top in that game it was 12 all and there was 27 minutes to go, or 30, you know, 25 to 30 minutes to go. Proctor goes off, Sharks score three tries in 10 minutes. Game's yeah. over. Like, so, it completely okay. decided the game. So, would you have been happy with the... Okay, no, you wouldn't have been happy. But let's say it was a bite. No no arguments whether it was a bite. 10 in the bin? If there was no arguments, if he actually bit him. If, if Kevin Proctor, like, bit him, chomped down, bit into Sean Johnson, and Sean Johnson did the Evander Holyfield, like, fuck, you fucking bit me. Send him off. That's a grab back. Kevin Proctor didn't bite him. There was enough evidence. He's got a mouth guard in anyway, man. Like, what's he going to do? Yeah, yeah. So, like, why are you sending him off? Like, yeah. you, you know what you could do? You could put it on a report because you don't really know. Sean Johnson hasn't made a complaint. Maybe it's a penalty. I thought, you know, I actually thought the Titans were going to get a penalty. So, you know, that's how I saw it. So, yeah. I would have been happy with him staying on the field. Yeah, fair enough. You know, All, right. Off the field. All right. So and he's we'll... 250th as well. Yeah, exactly. Kevin two fifty. Anyway, enough about enough about Kevin Proctor. Uh, we're going to move it on to you know the sh- the beacons of the game, the shining light of rugby league. You know the four the, the reason why we even have a game in the first place. We're going to celebrate the front rows and them scoring tries again. So who yeah, do we have this week? Just like the found just just like the foundations of your house. You know you cannot live in a house without those foundations. And 
a football team cannot live without those front rowers who continually set up tries and are never rewarded with the meat pies themselves. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to honour them. So uh, we had over the weekend, obviously, we had a couple of close calls. We'll get to them at the end. But um, great to see uh, Jared Wallace getting over for the Titans. Yeah. Um, that was fantastic. Um, and obviously, Aiden Tolman, you know, a couple of weeks ago, got his first try in about four or five years. And now he's got bag two in a, in a month. Well, so can he blame he's, him? He's on a bit of a hot streak. Can he blame him? He knows he's going to get a mention on two in the tackle. He loves exactly. listening to two in the tackle. And he wants to get a shout out every week. Now, he ain't going to apply for the dummy file. So the other way that he can get in, front rowers tries. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, I, I, I'm, I haven't There's... forgotten about him, but I'll get, I'm going to get to him because I want to talk about this game um, quickly. Is, is obviously Kane Evans. Yep. over again. For another try, he's he's becoming a bit of a uh, a try scoring beast at the moment. You know, he's big, uh, and he's, he's signed with the Warriors now as well. So they'll, they'll be pretty happy to get him. A couple of close calls though. Um, uh, Siwa Takiaho obviously got over the line, um, was held up, and if, I think he needs to go and get some acting classes with Jordan Rapana because when Rapana gets over the line, he may go give the ref a tap, mate. That's a try. You don't need to check it. Don't worry about it. Whereas the Siwa got up threw that ball in the air and celebrated. Maybe he might have sold it to the rest because there was no way they were going to overturn it. Um, Judy Paulo as well. Yeah. So close. Great great hands to be so close and would have been his first meet pie of the year. I don't doubt he will score and I think he'll score a try before Blake Ferguson does. And look, Kate Ellis. Highway robbery. <laughs> what the, how, as a video referee, one of the things that you cannot do is you can't be looking at reasons to take tries off front rowers. They make it hard enough as it is they do all the hard work. They set tries up all game. And all they want to do is get off that nudie run. And Kate Ellis did a brilliant job, got over, first try of his career. Tenth game, first try of his career. He's going, beautiful, off the nudie run, let's go. Calls it back for some nitpicky. It touched his hand and then it touched your hand, so it was a knock-on, even though I don't think it ever left his body. So, yeah, I just, I can't stand that, you know. That was, that was you know, that was a very close run at second, second. Yeah, straight second. So, so the, the, they missed out on tries there, unfortunately. Now, it's another special mention to the front rowers. Um, sorry, Seawar kicking goals on the sideline, as he does. But in the South what? Sydney Cowboys game, uh, Adam Reynolds gets all the props. You know, good on him. He managed to kick that field goal to win them the game. <laughs> Excellent piece of uh, foot, uh, goal kick, or field, whatever, kicking there from, from Adam Reynolds. But the one goal thing that I wanted to know... Otherwise. One thing that I wanted to know was... Koloa Matangi and yep. the other front row, I think it's Totola. What's his first yeah, name? Totola. Yeah, Tavita Totola. Tavita Totola. Those two combined to put Reynolds in the position to snap mm. that goal. Now, the only people who are going to recognise that are for other front rowers themselves because they know how fucking hard it is, you know, mm-hmm. and halfbacks that sit in a pocket and kick those field goals like they do. You know, the first person, yeah. actually Reynolds like, let's get back, let's get back. Um, but straight up, those two were the ones, the offload from uh, Kolo Amatami to Cook, I yeah. think it was. Cook managed to get around. Ball, yeah. Totola, quickest play the ball of the game when he needed it. He did exactly what he needed to do. And thanks to those front rowers, so they didn't score a try, they didn't kick the field goal, but without them, South probably get beaten extra time and golden point. Yeah, absolutely. I think what did they would have got about 25, 30 meters on that combined. For exactly. Like that literally won them the game, you yeah. know. And look, I want, while you're throwing mentions out to front row, setting up points and game winning scenarios, um, I feel a bit 
bit sorry for the two the two young props for the Manly Seagulls, Taniela Pasika and yep. uh, Sean Kepi. Um, yep. I thought they were great. You know, missing to Powell and Adam Fanua Blake. Um, uh, Paseka, I think, had two line breakers this. You know, busting the line, popping through. Sean Kempy just found open space. You know, he wish he had Josh Adokar's speed. He's just looking for... I love it when you see a fragile burst through the line and they're just like, holy shit, I'm true. And they turn left to right, they go, where's my fast man? <laughs> Where is he? Because <laughs> there's no way I'm running the, I'm running the league. Unless you're Regan <laughs> Campbell-Giller. Unless you're RCG. Unless you're Regan Campbell-Giller. All right, so... Uh, great, um, work, great work we'll, from the big man. We'll, we'll move on from the big man. Uh, one dummy file entrant that I noticed anyway, there might have been some more that I didn't pick up on, but the big one was in our match in focus. You know, I feel a little bit hesitant putting him in, only because of how well he played on Thursday night. Ryan Pappenhausen had the Roosters on yep. the rack there, or, well, you know, not the Roosters type of rack, but they had them, you know, at uh, sixes and sevens, and he managed to butcher it. He found himself in the dummy file going from dummy half. Um, but other than that, there for Ryan, or Pappy, Lou Pappy, they like to call him. Oh, he had a spectacular game there for the Storm. He kicked well as well. He's, a, he's the goal. He just, he, like, I didn't realise he was a good goal kicker until he kicked that field goal and then they gave him the conversions and he was kicking conversions on the sideline. Yeah, he's um he's a really skillful player. Yes, exactly. You know, That's the word. You could, That's the word. Like if, if someone if he came in and someone told me he was a halfback, I you know without really watching like seeing bits, of, I could I believe it. You know, yeah. it's just kind of it's just got really silky. You know, great silky passes, got those little kicks, and obviously yeah, slotting field goals and kicking sideline conversions. You know, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, um, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, look, that's why they were so dominant in that game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Phenomenal. And it was look, just a... on the dummy file. A special mention to another uh, another cool cat who made sure he didn't get in there. Is Kurt Mann killing it this year? Oh yeah, he he's scored. Great. He's been great. He's been great in at hooker in these these couple of games where he's had to fill in, and he got the biscuits. So you know, through the big show and go, and just too much speed, and just a little guy, and obviously Appy Corusel as well. He shows you how to go from dummy half. That's and how you do it. You got to get low to bring that guy down. Yeah, he's just got that man, that, uh, I want to call it man strength, but he's a man, so of course he's got that man strength, but you know when you're a child and you play against those people who have man strength, he would have yeah. been one of those ones. But um, alright, so we'll go into our match and focus, uh, two games from the weekend, the first one obviously Thursday night kicked off the set, kicked off the round, Storm 24 thumping the Roosters 6, now 24 to 6 doesn't feel like a thumping, or well, it is a thumping I suppose, it's 18 points, but the way that that 24 points... They were all over the Roosters. What were your thoughts? Yeah, look, they were dominant. They were. They um, obviously there was a lot of talk going into the game about the the no Cameron, the no Camerons missing obviously Smith and Munster, and were they going to be able to handle it? Um, but they still had that monster pack, and the Roosters were, you know, they were missing a lot of guys in that pack and that go forward, and the Roosters had no go forward, and Melbourne just ran over them all game, and they were clinical in their their completions as always. I think that. They barely made a mistake in the first 20, 30 minutes. And yeah, 86% completion for the Storm, 66 for the Roosters. Six line breaks to one. The one line break was the um, uh, the young fellas, uh, Tupolota. Tupolotu. Tupolotu, um, who got over there in the corner. So yeah, well, how strong is that bench? And I was having a look at the numbers week. And five of the six starting... Um, uh, Melbourne Pack all ran for over 100 metres and then in 26 minutes and 32 minutes Tino Fasul Maliawi and Nelson Sofa-Solomona both ran for like 130 and 120 minutes metres in 25 minutes they, so they just got like 
all these just big fellas rolling through, just rolling over. And then with the skill guys like uh, Pappenhausen and Hughes and Brandon Smith, you know, look out. Yeah, you, you're look right. Out. They do have a bit, they do have a strong bench, but you know, I get a little bit offended when people sort of forget. You know, it's quite interesting that you've forgotten. We have a lot of injuries. And our grand final Correct. bench, our bench in the grand final day last year, outstanding. Okay, oh, okay. And maybe we swap. Maybe we swap Jake Friend and Sam Ferrells, Okay, because on grand final day, but Ferrells, Butcher, Liu, and Crichton on the bench. I'm sorry, but I'm going to put them that bench ahead of uh, Tino Nelson. Who else? Well. On, the, on this game, it was the, most of the main two guys, and they had uh, Tom Eisenhuth and um, Nico Hines on the bench. But normally, they've got Brandon Smith in there as well. When oh, got yeah, true, team. true, I, true. They've got the best bench in the competition right now. Okay. True. I've always said when the Bruce is the best, that's what makes them so strong, is having such a strong bench because of how strong their starting lineup is. But Melbourne have that too. They, yeah, they're no, showing no. a lot of depth. They're showing so much depth. They don't have too many massive injuries. Um, you know, they had a couple, picked up a couple more recent but they've been able to manage them, you know, and Jerome Hughes, I mean, we, we, we talked about him during the week, you know, I wrote a little piece about him and he was awesome. He was great. He's just grown into like such a, a great little player for them. Yeah, he you was know? spectacular. And you're just, you're just saying with guys like Pappenhausen as well. So, Do you think, too good. do you think the Roosters are really missing uh, Boyd Cordner? I, I'm honestly, I, like, I noticed that before we played Melbourne, when he wasn't playing, we looked a little bit different. And then he well he didn't play the first two games of the season we didn't look ourselves, um, and whenever he doesn't play there's and this isn't a knock on Satili Tupanua the guys who's replacing him at the moment, he's playing decent enough but I just feel as though Boyd is like a seat is like an ingredient that if you don't have it in the dish it's just gonna it's just not gonna turn out how you need it to turn out it might be it's you know, like, edible it's like not putting it's like not putting garlic in before you cook something. Yeah, just not the there. garlic and onions. He yeah, you the just garlic, garlic and onions. And onions in and you just go, oh, this is good, but it's missing something. It's yeah, just you, not going to reach its full potential. You, you might not necessarily notice it when it's in there, but you sure as hell notice it when it ain't in there. Yeah, exactly right. No, he's been a big loss. And look, he's our, look, he's our leader. And obviously him and him and Jake Brand are co-captains, but Boyd Corden, is a, he's the Australian captain. And he leads on the field and... Look, obviously, it's even compounded by the fact that... But he no doesn't Boyd He Corden doesn't up. hold the ball. There's no Jared where... There's no Jared Weir Hargrave. They all dropped the There's ball. No Angus Crichton. Yeah, look, our errors were poor. They were really poor. Like 17 errors or something. We couldn't complete a set. You know, we were... We wouldn't have beaten any team. Oh, I don't think we would have beaten any teams, to be honest. The yeah. only teams we would have beaten would be maybe the Broncos. Well, they only conceded um, They only conceded four tries, right? So, you know, against another squad, they probably wouldn't have converted at that rate that the Storm did. There was a point there mm-hmm. where I was... I was Messaging everyone saying it's gonna be fifty, it's gonna be fifty. I was freaking out yeah. because you know when like you even if you think of that two thousand eight grand final or, or a lot of games when the scoreline might be close, but you can tell that there's a big difference in the momentum here, and all it takes is just that one to snap, and once it's cracked, there's no going back. It and when they up. when yeah. they score bang bang, 
But they went bang, bang in the second half when Olam and Kafusi. I thought, oh, here we go. But we managed, and I think that was a, a sign of a, a strong strong squad or a strong side or, or good mentality or great attitude that they weren't just going to let the game just fall apart, completely fall yeah, apart. absolutely. Another one We're just never going to give up. Another never going to give up. Another one was when Parramatta got beat by the the Storm Magic Round last year, and I think they ended up conceding seventy. You know, they're, yeah. they're not they're not that far. They're not a seventy to ten team or whatever the scoreline was. I can't remember what Parramatta got. That's not yeah. their team. But when you break and you let it go, that that shows yeah. poor attitude. And and it was a little bit what Den and Kent might have been talking about at the beginning of the year. I just feel, you know, I, we don't have any impact. But I feel because we slid up in his DMs. And we asked him to apologise. Ever since we asked him to apologise, and he apologised, it's we're the ones who have had to have apologised. Not only do we need but, to apologise, not I, only do we I, need I, to apologise to him, we actually need to apologise to the Roosters for putting unneeded pressure, unnecessary pressure on the Roosters and their depth because we don't need to say anything. We just need to shut our mouth. That's fair. That's fair. But look, I'm actually going to I'm going to hit, hit fight back there and disagree. I think, obviously, you know, we were sh- our our sort of mash unit of a team was really highlighted on Thursday night with all the guys who were already missing, plus losing Orbison and Keary and Lachlan Lamb to add to that list. It's extensive. But what if prior to, to that game of injuries, okay, yeah, we got massively outclassed by the Storm. Storm are you know they're one A one B in the comp at the moment. You know, they're at the top of the ladder. They've lost two games. They're fucking all class. And we're missing a lot of guys. We managed to eke out wins over the last couple of weeks, missing heaps of guys. And I think that does show your depth. Now, look, any team that loses six or seven guys, you're not going to win the comp if you don't have those guys at the end of the year. Like, no team's going to do it. But it's what you can do during those periods when you lose players. How many of those games do you drop? So I think our depth has been massively tested. And we've shown... You know, we're showing how deep it goes, but also how important. You know, there's about there's a limit on how many guys you can you could you could drop out, and you know, really sort of still be a chance to to do something come October. So, um, look, we're going to be tested now over the next three or four weeks. You know, the Roosters run home; they play uh, the last four games are against the four teams below them, five, six, seven, eight, and they're going to have to do at least the first couple of those probably without still some guys. So, you know, most likely without Luke Keery for the next three or four weeks. Uh, and we have, don't know when some of these other players are coming back yet. So it's going to be a tough little run for the Roosters to make sure they try and get in that top four um, of the finals. You know, there's a bit of a race for it. There's a bit of a race for it. Yeah. If you look at it, I mean, you still you would still put the Roosters, it's their fourth is theirs to lose. You would still expect them to finish fourth, would you say? Mm. We, you're a little bit worried about that now. I'm a little bit worried about it. Not because they're not good enough just because oh well that's probably a they're running point. out of truth well no, they're, they're running, running out of truth, truth a little really. bit yeah yeah and so it's just got to put a lot of like pressure on them to have to really perform late and like it it just shows that to be a top four side you need to win 75% of your games really well really. this is how it's going to go down for the Roosters at the moment week this week they play the Tigers the following week they play the Broncos You've got to, there, so there's two two very winnable games if you are down on troops. Ideally, they're obviously hoping they can be getting Hargraves, Morris, Crichton back in the next couple of weeks, and Tupo. They're all expected back sometime in the next one to two weeks. Cordner, same thing, maybe a couple of weeks. So guys are starting to peel back. The last four games goes, uh, I'm not sure the exact order, but Raiders, Sharks, Knights, 
South. So the four teams below them. Then the first week would be the final. So depending on where you finish, you're either playing one of those teams again or one of the top teams. And so basically from four weeks out, it's finals footy. You've got four games against top eight players, teams, and then potentially three to four games if you're lucky. Maybe one or two if you're not. Yeah, I so suppose. they're going to have to be hard for it. Yeah, I suppose. To, I just can't... This is going to be the... If the Roosters want to three-peat, this will be the hardest title yet. And always was going to be, I think. Um, you know, because of just that extra wear and that target that you've had in those long seasons. But it'd be really something special if they were to go on a run and win here. Um, and they're sort of looking from... I want to say looking from the outside, because you're never going to question a champion team like that. And someone like Robinson, full trust in Trent Robinson in the plans that he has. But yeah, they're just, sometimes, just for... you just, sometimes you're just beaten down. You just don't have the guys. Yeah, just for me, that, that's what it is. It's just that sometimes like the Raiders, they're not looking like they're slowing down. The Knights, they might not necessarily be a top four side, but if you know things sort of fall their way, they can fall into the top four. So I haven't really looked at the run home and who's playing who. I don't really care about that stuff. That doesn't really mean too much. It's nice to hear that they play the Titans and the Broncos, but the truth is... Tigers, yeah. Tigers. Oh, Tigers. Tigers. Oh, okay. Well, the Tigers are a lot harder than the Titans. Um, the truth is, they they probably need to win better than 50-50, half their matches. They need to do oh, better definitely. than that to make the top eight. From here, from here. Sorry, not the top eight, the top four. But top if they four. win 50-50, yeah, pro- if they win half their games... Win if they win half their games from here, they're probably going to drop out. And I just think with the injuries that they've got, they will struggle to win more than half their games. That's just why I don't know if they're going to make the top four. Mm, yeah, I think, look, they probably they have to win at least four, I feel. Because the Raiders have a pretty soft run. You know, they play like the Warriors, the Titans, the Bulldogs, um, the Roosters, and then they play like the Sharks and then someone else not in the top eight. So um, they've got a pretty soft run. I feel like, it, you know, depending on what happens, how they go against those other teams, but obviously a big game will be round 16, yeah. Roosters versus Raiders. Yeah. Um, if the Roosters can win that game, you know... So bad, but Melbourne. Look, they're the ones really sort of rolling through, and they're the they're the scary team for me. Sure. All right. So next match in focus was the Knights, twenty six beating the Seagulls twenty four. I thought the Seagulls were going to get it done. I tipped the Knights, but I just had this feeling, you know, it was one of those typical manly sort of situations where no one thinks they're going to win, and they managed to get out to a twelve point lead straight away off the bat, mm. but. You know, the strength of the, the Knights has been a little bit of their resilience this year. What did, what did you think? Yeah, look, it was, uh, I, I, as soon as the game started, you know, actually, I tipped Manly at the start of the week and I was like, yeah, no, they have to win. They just have to win this game and they're just going to come out firing. doesn't matter who they're missing. And then come Saturday, like, the power's out. And I was like, you know what? I think they just don't have enough guys. And I changed my tip to the Knights. And so 15 minutes into that game, I was like, fuck, look at Manly. Here they go. They're going to, here, here comes the, uh, we've got another um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Upset. Uh, yeah, it's another se- you know another siege, another siege from Manly. Oh, ambush, ambush. Blown the gates open, an ambush, an ambush up in Newcastle. But yeah, credit to the Knights. They they called their way back in, got the lead, and then had to try and win it again. So very character building win for the Knights. Yeah, character building. Uh, Clutch Ponga. I told you he's a lot better on the left-hand side. Not that I, I, I wasn't the one who sort of started that, but his pass on the right to left, wasn't there one where he threw it forward or it went onto the ground or something, right to left? Left yeah, to right, yeah, sorry. Left yeah, to right. no, forward pass, got called forward pass. Forward pass, yeah. Yeah, they got, a, they got a forward pass and then they got over the line and, you know, great try saver from, I think it was Tavita Funa who knocked the hand of, yeah. of the, young, uh, uh, the young winger there for the night. So, 
Yeah, look, they with Blake Green coming last week, these last two weeks, their attack has looked a lot better. A lot better. And Caelan Ponger has been, there's no surprise that he's been great in these last two games. <laughs> and obviously he's always great when they win. But I'm sure Adam O'Brien would have had a bit of a heart attack in that hour and a half. Two hours uh, going through that roller coaster. Also, it especially, allows... up, especially when they scored, they, they got over then down twelve nil and got up twenty to twelve to then lose the lead. Yeah, with, with um with Blake Green being in there, it allows Ponga to not have to be a part of the organising, and not that he mm-hmm. did, wasn't able to do that, but it can take a little. One, it takes a little bit of juice. It also takes your resources out, so. He's not able to... There's someone there not organ... So when he is preparing for his shot, there's now that him, who was supposed to be helping the organising, isn't able to do that. Whereas now, he actually only needs to prepare for the shot. He only needs to get yep. a position. He just needs to do... In attack, anyway. Like, he'll still sneak around the middle, sniff around the middle, play. Um, you know, maybe help out with the organising, jump down short sides. You know, remember that time when we were talking about Roger Tuovasa playing playing fullback and how I wanted to see him get involved as the ball player. That's the, the yeah. same tempo that you want or same amount of involvement that you want with Pong as you you need him to get his balls on his hands on the ball, not his balls on the hands. We did that with um Pierce apparently on the, on the weekend as well, but that's another story. Um <laughs> I'll have to send you a link. Someone sent me the link on Friday. Might have been the week before oh, actually, yeah. but yeah. The oh, boys yeah. are back in town. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just about him being able to, you know, time his moments as opposed well, to being to a part the, of the whole, better, the whole organising of it. Yeah, I mean, he gets to, just gets a bit, like you said, I agree. Pick and choose those moments better and just be a bit more of a runner. The more the more Caelan Ponga just runs and the, everyone has to watch him dance and shit themselves, go, fuck, I'm going to tackle this guy. Yeah. The better. And another guy who, yeah, no, who that was really strong. another guy who's been impressive this year. You've mentioned him earlier in, on in the year. Uh, he's probably been a little bit outshone by Bradman Best, considering the guy's name's Bradman Best. He's from Newcastle. He's a child prodigy in New South Wales that everyone knew about if you knew rugby league. But this Anari Tuala, unbelievable! This guy. Uh, uh, how old is he? 20? 20? 20, Two, I think he is. I think he's 22. Mm. 1998, he was born. So he's 22-ish, around about. Same age as Cade Cust, actually. He's only young too. Yeah. But um, he's coming to this Newcastle side. He started out on the wing. He's gotten his opportunity to play in the centre since Bradman Best has been out. And hasn't he been playing excellent in the centre? He was playing excellent at full at, as a winger as well. But he scored a double yeah. on the weekend. He scored the match winner. But um, he's someone that I'm going to write about, or you're going to write about, one of us is going to do a little, nice little piece on him this week uh, because I think he's someone that doesn't get enough uh, attention, really, because he's... A... Yeah, he's been, yeah, he's been great this year. He's been fantastic. And it's not just, you know, it's great to see him get the rewards, like, you know, getting over and scoring that try. And you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he had the go go gauge at arms. He had to get the ball over the line. It's all the hard stuff he does. When he was on the wing, he gets back and he does those hard yards He's chasing hard and competing for those high balls. When they're putting pressure on him in defence, you feel safe. When they kick it to Tuala, I feel like if I'm say I've got a cheeky bet on the Knights and they kick it Tuala's way, I feel safe that he's going to secure that. And great motor, and you know he's just showing that he's got a lot of skill, talent, and strength to go with it all. Yeah, um, yeah, exciting. Knights would be pumped. Yeah, absolutely. Really growing this team. To have really two, two guys. This be the first step. To have two guys um, that are capable of playing centre that at their age just means that 
they don't really need to look elsewhere too far for, for centres now. You know, in the yeah. next two to three years, those two will be the centres. And one of them already is the centre. Who's the yep. other centre at the moment? Tao Monga, isn't it? Yeah, Tao Monga's been there at the moment. Yeah, Popo Monga, actually. But anyway, that's our story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, look, the Knights, this is a real, you know, this is the first step year for them. You know, make the finals, you know, get experience as that squad. They're, they've got a good mix of youth and experience there now, the Knights cooking. They just probably need a bit more experience together in really hard, serious football. But they're, yeah, look, that real resilient win, even for all the the heart attacks and the roller coaster along the way for them, you know, it's a, it's a big step for them. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see where they can finish up. Like you said, they could compete for... They could, could, be, could compete for a top four spot, and that'd be a great result for them. But definitely, they could they could worry someone because Caleb Ponga worries defenses, and their defense has been pretty good this year, for the most part. Yeah. For the most part, it's been pretty good. So they they got a they got a really desperate manly, and they managed to get it done. So you you take that. Yeah. Take all that right. big time. All right, we've got matches. Do you, think manly's, isn't, do you think manly's cooked? Gone. They're gone. They're not the medical chance. And once you're a mathematical yeah. chance, you're no chance. No chance. No chance. So probably got to win five or, five or six or maybe all six. Yeah. So, so yeah. we'll move on to our next matches in focus uh, for this week. It's coming up round 15. The first two matches of the week, actually. First one will be yeah. Eels versus Storm, Bankwest Stadium. Uh, nice little battle of the fullbacks there. So obviously New South yeah. Wales, we're, we're sport for fullbacks at the moment. Uh, but these probably these two are the next two in line, really, for the fullbacks. We've got Clint Guthrie yeah. set up against Lil, Lil Rock, Pappenhausen. Now, I'm going to tell you what, um, you know, Melbourne Storm, Melbourne Storm are the form team, but I'm going to I'm going to get a sneaking suspicion. There won't be an ambush because you don't ambush Melbourne, but I've got a sneaking mm-hmm. suspicion. Parramatta had their eye on Melbourne Storm last week. Hence why they got done by the Dragons. I think they just sort of looked up and thought, right, that's our challenge, that's our benchmark, and they, they were probably worried about the week after than the, the week present. That's my thought. It's not, a bad time to get them. it's not a bad time to get them because they're going to be missing some guys. Um, obviously, Dale Finucane's out for the rest of the regular season, so he won't be able to play again till till the finals. Uh, Cameron Munster won't be playing. Cameron Smith is very unlikely. And Jerome Hughes is, you know, more likely than not to be ruled out as well. So another real test for this Storm team, for Brandon Smith and Pappenhausen even more so, because you could have Riley Jackson, Cooper Johns in the halves, potentially. Well, um, it's funny you say but that, it's actually. The full, but, but it's the forward packs going at each other for me. Actually. You know, seeing, we know how good that um, uh, Junior Paulo, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Nathan Brown have been this year. They've just been awesome for him. Like, they just hit the line and then they get another five or ten metres every time. But... You know, they've got to run into Jesse Bromwich and what Christian Welch and Asolfo Solomona and Tino. And you've got Brandon Smith, the Bulldog, he's in there at hooker. So they've still got plenty of weapons in that forward pack. And that's really going to, to me, I think it's going to decide the game. <sighs> we'll see. We'll see if they have enough creativity in them, though, Melbourne. So real big chance for the Storm. But if the Storm are to win this game, one, to me, premiership favourites if they're not already. Like for me, they're they're the they're, they're my most feared team, but out and out. And two, it puts Eels back in that um, threat for maybe you know that fourth or, or dropping out of it because with a tough game against Penrith coming up as well. So um, I think they play the Bunnies and Sharks too. So maybe not the Sharks, but they definitely play the Bunnies. So big game for them. Massive game. 
Yeah. And Actually, like as you said earlier in the year week when we talked about Canberra, this is a this is a barometer game. See where you're at. Yeah, correct. They always have been. They always will be. Uh, it's fun. It's actually now that I've said all this about Parramatta and stuff, I had a look at the tips and the the prices and who was what and few of the lines, and I couldn't believe when I saw that Melbourne were minus one and a half for on Sportsbet Gamble responsibly. They were minus one and a half, and they were paying a dollar ninety five for one minus one point five, and I thought, wow, man, that's free money. And then I sent it to, to, to Blake and Tom, and, and Blake was like, uh, what did Blake say? He goes, yeah, yesterday they were they were plus one and a half. And I went, what, they were the underdogs? He goes, yeah, I couldn't believe it. But they've, they've moved now, so they're, they're, they're slight favourites. But now that you talk about all these people that are injured and out, it does start questioning that creativity and like the threats, the threats. But... One thing you're going to get from the Melbourne Storm is it doesn't matter who puts that jumper on. You know that they're going to freaking give you nightmares. They're going to give you a hell of a lot of work to do. They're going to, they're going to make you uh, answer questions while you've got the ball. They make you answer yeah. questions when you've got the football. And, and let's not forget how good Jerome Hughes was last week. So he would be, a, you know... We shot. We, we, you know, we know they're missing. It, you know what they were like without the Camerons. So um, Jerome was fantastic for them. Yeah. Scary. And just checking the, the prices now, mate. Uh, at Melbourne actually two dollars twenty. Two dollars twenty. The outside. Gamble responsibly. Two twenty plus three and a half. Gamble responsibly. Plus three and a half. You're feeling that they might be a bit too much for for the old plus three and a half. Give it away. Well, there you, go. you know what? People might keep getting on. Pack. Depends what happens with these these injury announcements. We'll yeah, that's where, it's at. that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Parramatta have been flat. Parramatta have been flat lately. You know, what do you think? Do you think they're going to come out really ready to go for this Absolutely. game? Absolutely. Barometer game. Uh, they've been a little bit flat lately. They, I think they, they obviously lost last oh. week. And then even like prior to that, they've had like a couple wins, but they've been gutsy wins. They've been they've been hard Great time against the Bulldogs. You know, and, and yeah, they you scraped away, you know, luckily against the Bulldogs. It was one of those... Um, they've, they've actually played enough of those games that they're going to find themselves in something like that with the Melbourne Storm. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a tough uphill battle for both sides. So they've got to be used to that little, that grind. But, you know, Melbourne are the king of the grind. Yeah. They're the kings of the and grind. So That's just what well. they do. Just, Bellamy is just so, so good. I just, next guy in, sweet, this is what you need to do. And everyone goes, who the fuck is that guy? He's the king of that. Yeah. You know, just getting so much out of his players and, and so much out of the squad and just making this one piece look so fantastic and shiny. But then if you took that piece out of the engine and you looked at it, it wouldn't be anything too special. But it just performed so well. You know, it just belonged. It belonged. It's like a Ford part and then you take it out and you take it over to the Warriors and then you're trying to put it in a Datsun and you're like, fucking thing doesn't work. So... Big test for uh, for both sides, you know. Probably actually not a, not as much of a test for Melbourne. I think you know they know who they are and they're sort of humming along and they're missing guys and you know another chance for the brand of missing the Papenhouses to go. Hey, fucking look at us! Look how good we are. Yeah, we are the future. Uh, but Parramatta will be going in, going. This is a scalp we want. And you know, let's not forget Melbourne. Melbourne wiped the ass, wiped their ass last year. You know, they yeah. said they flogged them in Magic Ground and then thirty nil. Yeah, well, like, everyone talks about how good Harry Grant is, and, and he's very good. 
I'm not saying that he's not very good. One of the things that used to was like really freak pissing me off was that how desperate the Melbourne Storm are to need to have him. I think Brendan Smith put yeah. a lot of that to bed on the weekend, saying, "Hang on a second, there was a reason why well, I was the next in line to play number nine, mm-hmm. and I'm going to show you all that. You know, as much as they, lo- I love Harry. I'm sure they got on well, but there was a reason why yeah. he was." The next in line for number nine. I think everyone needs to just pipe down a little bit, settle down. Brandon Smith is the next number nine there. Uh, hopefully he, for him anyway. Maybe you might go elsewhere. He is the he is the Kiwi hooker. So let's not forget. Yeah. And there's a fucking reason for it. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. You know they'd be. You know. Right, match number two think, that we're yeah. going to look up look at is uh, also match number two for the week. It's the Panthers hosting the Cronulla Sharks. Cronulla Sharks. Now, just one thing I want you guys to take note of. This is this is for the train spotters out there. Now, uh, and maybe even Super Coach fans. Super Coach fans would be all over this, I reckon. Um, now I'm on my Super Coach, but that's not where I noticed it. Toby Rudolph. Toby Rudolph. Now, big meters, big minutes, big stats. He's been named number thirteen. For the past, I didn't look up how many weeks, but we're going to say, I'm going to pull this number out, seven weeks. He's been named number 13 for the last seven weeks, and he has not started once. So if there's anyone out there that knows Toby Rudolph, or knows Johnny Morris, answer me this. Is there a superstition behind it? Does he have a a bad feeling in a certain number that's on the bench? or, Or does he just prefer to wear number 13? Because I want to know why he continually gets named to start and then continually comes off the bench. Maybe it all started from the first time. Maybe he is superstitious, but not necessarily about the number 13. He was named at 13, got pushed back to the bench, came on, had a ripper of a game and said, Coach, let's do that again. Maybe. Maybe John Morris is superstitious. So he likes to keep the 13 on the bench and bring it in when he wants. So maybe we're focusing on Toby Rudolph and not the bloke who named the squad. Yeah. True. Well, whoever it is, please get back to us. We're on Instagram, at Two on the Tackle. We're on Facebook, Two on the Tackle. Uh, please get back to us and let us know what is going on with Toby Rudolph and the number 13. Now, he's good enough to start if you ask me, but he hasn't been and he's been performing well off the bench. So it's not an issue. I don't care what number he wears. Like I said, like I said at the beginning of the show, what do these numbers mean anything? Anyway. Just give yeah. them whatever number they want. Well, he's been, well, he's been coming on uh, in the, about 20 minutes in and just playing the rest of the game. Has he? For the most part. Has he? Yeah, he just comes on comes on in about 20, 20, somewhere around that 20, 25 minute mark and then just plays the rest of the game. Yeah. Well, and then we, that sort of rotates the other ones out. We, we, will, we will talk more about Toby Rudolph and, and reserve grade players a little bit long, a little bit while, but what are some of your matchups from this game? What are some that you're looking forward to? Oh, well, look, obviously... Cleary and Johnson, you know, they've been sort of two of the form guys of the year. Um, uh, you know, Cleary's got this Panthers team humming, absolutely humming. And obviously the last time they played, they, they really put a score on them. Um, but Sean Johnson, you know, he's probably a real redemption year for him. Uh, a lot of pressure on him and questions about his price tag and uh, an underachieving career, you know. And you know, obviously even more pressure since he's, left the Warriors and then obviously the comments from Cooper Cronk and, and other ex, ex-players sort of questioning his rocks and diamonds um, sort of consistency. He consistently serves up rocks and diamonds 
and he's been nothing but diamonds this year. He's been fantastic. So, you know, the winner of that halves battle is going to be real key. So obviously that's that's a pretty, you know, that's a given one. I wanted, I, I'd like to see the hookers too because, you know, they're both really key to, to getting this Sharks team, the both teams going. You know, Appy Coruscant, no doubt. You know, we know this Penrith team looks like a different side with young Appy. In. But Blake Braley's been fantastic for the Sharks. You know, they haven't skipped a beat since they lost their older brother to the Knights and he's slotted in there fantastically. So they've got a lot of points in them, Cronulla, and it's going to come from, you know, if they can get that creativity out of that dummy half. He's got, he's got a little bit of little bit of craft to him as well. So Happy Carousel, not only does he have that speed at a dummy half, that strength from dummy half, but he's also got that craft. He's very, very clever about how he manipulates that middle third around the play the ball. And and Brayley's very similar to that as well. I don't, I haven't necessarily seen the strength out of Brayley, uh, and I haven't seen him exploit the the user's speed just yet. But I've definitely seen him working around, you know, being able to be a little bit crafty in and around that that number nine there. So they've got really good. They've got really good game awareness, both of them. Correct. Seen, you know, I very, very good situational awareness and just to make a decision. Um, in the moment and sort of make the correct one. So that's just been impressive for those guys. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you who I'm actually looking forward to seeing running out is our uh, not-so-front rower, uh, Talakai from the Sharks. Oh, yes. Who, since he's won games in the centres against the Broncos, has made that number 11 jersey his own with Nakora being out. He ran for 220 metres on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a beast. He's just a beast, mate. He's get eight or ten. I think by the end of the year, if one of those front rowers is out, is he Woodsy or... Uh, they lose another front rower. Just give him the ten. But he doesn't like. I know they would love to see him in the front row, just because we oh, love I would front love rows. to see him in the front row. But he he, so he looks like one. He's got. If he can do two hundred meters in the in the second row, it sounds to me that he has a little bit of a motor on him as well. He's obviously, and he's obviously got pace. You know, that's the reason why he could play centre. He's quick. He's obviously quick and explosive. So, you know, it's fair enough to put him on that edge. Imagine you've already got now. They've already got Toby Rudolph, Aaron Woods, um, Brandon Hamlin, Ueli, Royce Hunt. Like they've got a lot of big guys, and Fafita's out at the moment. So why not have Talakai run at the half? Yeah, absolutely. Would, you know, All right. absolutely. So now, just before do, do the, do you think? Um, do you think they? Is it, is it? Do you ever think about this when you come in win streaks like this, where you've got you know Penrith that won nine in a row? Is there a, you start going, oh, they're going to drop one. They have to drop one. Are you a, when when they're on that streak, you just ride it and you just go, well, they're just going to keep winning until you get surprised that they don't. Well, I don't necessarily tip against the streak. Like so, if they're winning all these, I'm not going to go, oh no, I'm going to tip against them because they're due. I'm not going to do that. But if they want to win the grand final, they're going to need a loser game. Yeah. That's just it's what you need fun. to do. You're going to tell me they're going to carry 15 wins into a grand final? Maybe maybe they'll carry 17 wins into a grand final. 17, and that's what they'd need to carry, wouldn't they? Is that if they win every game up until then, that's 17 wins? Yes. Impossible. Can't be done. Ooh. I'll see you heard it here first. You've been challenged, Clearies. You've been challenged by Big Baby. Well, what do you mean? You don't, they, they, they can still win a call. They just can't win it if they don't lose a game. I don't think they care about going undefeated. Is that not the most ironic thing to say? You can't win the comp if you don't lose a game. No. Like when you just say the sentence. When you just say the sentence. Well, you're not going to win the comp if you don't lose a game. It's true. I know that. I know what you mean, but do you understand how it sounds when you say it? Like the goal is to win games, and you go, "Well, if you don't lose a game, you're not going to win the comp." What do you mean? You're not going to lose. 
But yeah, yeah no, true. Look, no, no, yeah, it's not, even, it's not even so much about whether it's possible you, you're going to do it. It's just inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. I've yeah, actually understood just, what I is, said. It's just inevitable, though. You know, there's six more games. You're going to come up. And like they were, you know, like and teams are going to come wanting more. You know, you're going to come up against a, a game and you're just going to be a bit off your yeah. game. So whether that's anyway, this week, I, I want to move on. I want to move on to the next one. Enough about the Panthers. There's something I've been wanting to talk about for a few weeks, and I keep missing it, and I keep missing it. Uh, but we sort of touched on it before with Toby Rudolph. Well, not touched on it, uh, but it's about players that are playing first grade now, and that get into first grade, but have had a genuine reserve grade career. Maybe not a career, but experienced in reserve grade. Now, it's yeah. people that Top I think season. of when I when I see this is someone like Pat Herbert. Who played reserve grade? Oh, feels like I think he might have played reserve grade for two or three years. Once he got his opportunity for the Warriors, he has not let it go. I think he might have been dropped a couple of times, or he because he was a replacement, and then eventually, like they put their full side on. But they haven't done it very often, and he's once he's he has been a mainstay since he's become a mainstay of the Warriors. Mm. And I credit that to the fact that when you play a lot of reserve grade, you finally get to first grade. You don't want to let it go. And you make sure. You genuinely make sure. Another example is Toby Rudolph. Toby Rudolph, what's he, 24? Yeah, 23, I think. 23, or might have turned 24 this year. 23 or 24. He played a full season of reserve grade um, in Queensland. I think it might have been for the Dolphins. Whoever whoever played the Bulldogs in that grand final a couple of years Newtown. ago. He yeah. played a full season for Newtown. So that's yep. two full seasons. I think he's what he won the comp up in Queensland. He's won the comp down here in New South Wales. Yeah. So he's won two reserve grade premierships. So it's no surprise now that when you see him play in first grade, that he is definitely up he's to. He's ready. It. He is yeah, definitely he's ready. ready. To to now it. that sort of goes a little bit against to what I was saying before about a couple of weeks ago about Jason. Is it Jason Suwali? How. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, yeah. Now that now, what I was saying then was <clears throat> was not that he shouldn't. Uh, what's it called? That he shouldn't play first grade. He should play reserve grade or jersey flag first. What I was saying is there shouldn't be a rule about it. But it doesn't. Just because there isn't a rule about it doesn't mean you probably shouldn't get these players tried to have them play reserve grade. DCE played reserve grade. What a comp. Yeah. The next season wins a premiership. So. Josh Reynolds is another one where once they got to first grade, they just didn't let it go. They yeah. just did not let it go. Now, Reynolds is playing reserve grade now, but he's probably, you know, definitely at the back end of his career. What, how old is he? 31? 31, 32? Uh, yeah, he would be. You know, that's yeah, when he starts to... You know, not many people play for that long after that, really. Mm-hmm. Tom's retired. Clark, he's playing in Super Bowl. No, league. look, yeah, you do. You do. You get a real appreciation, don't, don't they, and they... I mean, look, yeah. the greatest one, obviously, uh, as far as late bloom is Cody Walker. Cody now, how Walker. old was he when he debuted? Was he 20, 26 for or some, 27? For some reason, 26 is jumping out of me. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's quite late in your career um, to be to be debuting. Um, and, you know, he doesn't want to let go of that spot and he's looked fantastic. Yeah. And it, it just... Jerome Hughes. Yeah, that, that's some... Sorry. That was... We wanted to get to Jerome Hughes. You wrote about him. Yeah, we went the long way around. To, to finally get it into first grade. And uh, he's, the thing is, just because you play reserve grade for a couple of years doesn't automatically mean you're going to be set for first grade either. You still need like no. 
didn't Craig Bellamy, I think Craig Bellamy gave him a bit of a blasting at the beginning of last year. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. it was after Billy Slater retired. So it was the beginning of last year, how he thought he'd become a little bit complacent, a little bit lazy. So there's still a standard that you require to be first grade. You still need to be capable. And that's not to knock the guys that go straight from the, you know, 18s, 20s, straight into first grade. But what it, what, I, what I mean is playing reserve grade actually allows you to develop a lot of, a lot of skills or a lot of uh, attrition or, or calluses. So without any pressure, without any expectation, the only expectation that, that is being put on you is just yourself. You know, And sometimes your own expectation is a little bit too much to handle as it is let alone having the expectation of the world, the expectation of fans. And we know how fans can be. You know, we, we ourselves yeah. are guilty of it sometimes where we can be too critical of players. But I just think that playing reserve grade isn't necessarily the end of it. Doesn't mean you're the end. It's at the end. And sometimes, a lot of the times, it's just the beginning. Well, it gives a lot of these, these young guys their first chance of playing against men, doesn't yeah. it? Um, when you think of these guys. Now, something I always remember is uh, when we went and watched uh, Tom play uh, for Newtown at Henson Park. And I think yeah. he might have been 19. I think he was 19 at the time. Um, and one of his comments, I watched the game, he, he said after the game, he goes, man, I've never been under that kind of kick pressure before. Yeah. Yeah, you but... Know, it, is just, it is just that level level up. So if, you, if you've got consistency, consistently playing that with that goal to then go to another level up, as you say, you, you get hardened, but that, that makes you more ready. Yeah, it makes you more ready. It also makes you... Um, yeah, I, I remember that game quite vividly as well. I'm a weirdo like that. I remember games games that... Yeah, the match performance. But he... Um, I watched that game and it felt as though that they were trying to make him know that he was playing reserve, reserve grade. Sure. I don't doubt they would have. Yeah. And sometimes they put a little yeah. bit extra. But also, on the other point is, he may not have been able... He may have been in a position where he thought he could get a kick away and he would have always, usually have got a kick away. But at that level, they're not going to let you get away with trying to kick from that yeah. far out. Yeah, exactly right. So that real taste and like, yeah, welcome to the big boys. Yeah, you want to kick there? He's not hard to miss the big red. He can't really hide in amongst yeah. uh, anyone. So, uh, yeah, yeah but, no, without a doubt... And I can it's, understand. Um, I can understand. Do you, it, do you think it's important? Do you think it's important? I suppose it's always going to help. But when you think of these guys that have played this season in reserve grade, not just had to fly away for you know one or two plus seasons before they get their taste, but actually have success as well. You know, quite often you see these guys that have come through that have been um, part of winning reserve grade sides. You I've know, never like you look at. Uh, obviously, uh, the, a lot of these Sharks guys, Toby Rudolph would have been part of a winning comp, you know, for Newtown. Uh, DCE, I think they, they won the quick the Q Cup when he played reserve grade. He was Q Cup player of the year and the next year won the grand final. Um, so I'm sure, you know, they probably lend themselves to themselves because you're playing a team that's not winning, then it's going to be hard to get picked for first grade. Yeah, I, I, I've never thought about it, but you would have to be um, showing that you are a step above the reserve grade to really push through off it. Away from it, yeah. But then you, you look at listen, people like you, you look at people like Reese Martin, who was playing reserve grade, and it was literally he was like he was playing against children. Honestly, 
But then when you play first grade, I actually thought he was decent for first grade. I thought he was capable, but mm. you know, super rugby league teams or NRL teams didn't think so. They wanted they they let him go to the Super League. But I thought he was one of the Bulldogs' better players when he was playing at the Bulldogs. Now he's over in the Super League and he's making them look like children. Ben Murdoch Masilla making them look like children. Um, Would you want to see a national reserve grade comp, or you're happy that they have the Q Cup and they've got the New South Wales? You know, yeah, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it, but I don't. I'm not aware. Like I hear, I hear Ben. I can talk about the the impacts that that would have on the game, on the 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 games in certain rural areas and things like that. But I, I, I've never. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it would be as long nice, as they're but... both strong competition. As long as they're strong competitions, I guess you know. I think it, it comes down to that that money that you can fund into it. You can fund more money into. Those teams and give them ability to have greater sort of support staff in and around them. You know, maybe pay the players they can they can pay the players a bit more than they're going to have the better quality um, players because they're going to have more depth. Yeah, That's maybe still a, you know a backup option. So maybe it's something that continues to grow. You know, it can continue to be a, a great uh, I guess path through to the NRL to harden yourself ready. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to play reserve grade before I play first grade. I could see myself doing that. I'll tell you what, a National Reserve grade isn't as important as scrapping the numbers and them all having their own player number. Anyway, that's another story. Just before we go as well, I just wanted you to give us a wrap-up, just to give us a little insight of what's happening in the NBA. So the, the yeah, finals well, have been got, announced. Uh, yeah, playoffs tomorrow. They kick off uh, at 3.30 in the morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Um, we've got the... 3.30, what, game. Tuesday morning? So this is going out on Wednesday. So we've probably missed the first game of the playoffs, but that's all right. It's best of seven. Yeah. So we're going to get the first. We're going to get the first round in the next couple of days. So we've got the coming up on Tuesday. You've got the two, three, six, seven matchups in both conferences. So we've got obviously the mighty Celtics coming up against Philly um, in a three-six matchup. Uh, notably, no Ben Simmons from that Philadelphia team, so they're going to really be really up against it. But look, Joel Embiid's still a beast. Uh, he can worry a lot of teams. So and it's playoffs. But seven seven uh, seven game series, you know, really you do not often, you know, learn who the best team is over that that time frame. And then you've got the Toronto Raptors against the Brooklyn Nets. Look, probably less interesting. The Raps will probably sweep them or maybe drop a game. But you know, the Nets are already missing Kyrie and, uh, and Kevin Durant. Now add a few more guys that have pulled out of that. The West is where it's really going to heat up. But just sorry, uh, just before you go to the West, I hear you talk about uh, Kyrie and Kevin Garnett. Not Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant. Sorry, as Brooklyn Nets fans and as an organization and as those two players, you surely have to be pretty stoked that you've made the playoffs without those two. You can only imagine how further up the ladder they'd be with those two. Absolutely, absolutely. You know that you still you still made the playoffs. You know you can be you can take something from it, but you still also you did lose more games than you won this year, um, and oh. maybe that partly just speaks to the. Um, the lack of depth in the East in that there's six good teams and the rest are, you know, uh, another step behind. Making but up the numbers. Without a doubt. You know, you've, you've, got, a, you've, got, you've, you've given time where you've got a lot of these guys with Karis Leverts and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen who, um, you know, are getting big game time to improve their game. So then you go, when you've got put Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in that team with whatever else goes with it, you know, it's deadly. deadly. Um, but I think the most interesting matchup uh, is going to be on, on the Wednesday. You're going to see the four-five matchups. So you've got the Houston Rockets up against the OKC Thunder. Ooh. So you know, 
you got Chris Paul, who got traded from the Rockets last year, and he's managed to carry this uh, this really great young team of um, of the Thunder, and now they're up against the team that traded them. And Westbrook's not going to be playing game one. He may even miss game two. So real chance for the Thunder to knock off the Rockets. Um, they've got this weird team, the Rockets, are not playing a centre. They're just basically playing five guys between 6'5 and 6'8 and going, fuck it, we're going to shoot 63s. So, you know, we're playing the math. And we've got these two stars we're going to play around. So that's going to be fun because the winner of that most likely plays the Lakers. You know, the Lakers and Portland is that other 1-8 matchup which we're going to see on, on Wednesday morning. Excitement for it. I don't know. We'll find out with this, this run that Dame Dollar's been on. The bubble MVP dropping 50, then 60, and 45. Um, but LeBron and Anthony Davis are a whole other beast. And so, an extra two wins. I, and an extra two I wins. Personally, an extra two no, wins for Brett. An extra two wins for no, Brett. No, extra one. Oh, extra one. one game. Yeah, only played one game. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to have, I don't think they're going to be out of puff. They had played eight, eight game seven and the Lakers are going to just be a lot better than them. Uh, then you've got the Clippers and the, and the Mavericks coming up against each other. So I think you're going to sort of, we get through this first round, we get the excitement of these series, but then we get down to the semifinals where you kind of really got the eight best team um, marching towards that, that championship goal. Uh, it's going to be interesting because it's a crazy bubble. We saw crazy things happen in the bubble. The Suns won eight in a row and just missed out on the playoffs. But no one thought they were going to be anywhere near it. So some crazy shit could happen. Um, hopefully no injuries, but some teams could just go on a run. Uh, players can get on a heater. And, you know, we saw that magical run by Kawhi and the Raptors last year. So I can't wait, man. I'm pumped. So hopefully Celtics can... I think they've got a decent shot to at least be playing in the East Final. Um, it's just going to be questionable on where they can, but... Um, is how healthy his knee is. He's had some, some knee issues even throughout the bubble, so it might be a little bit short sure. um, with the, the talent. But they've got JT, Jason Tatum, so let's go. Celtics, number 18. Beautiful. Anyway, I think we might have to call it a night there for, for, for two on the tackle there, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, as it is every single week. Um, you know, as it is per usual, thanks for listening. If you see any dummy files, make sure you get in there, try score supporters. All of it, uh, we're on Instagram, at 2 in the Tackle, Facebook, 2 in the Tackle. Get behind us, tell your friends, and if you're listening, chuck us in your story. But you've probably already missed the story if you got to this far into the pod. Anyway, peace yeah. out, much love, up the chooks. Up Enjoy the weekend. And peace. the Steve. And the Steve, Celtics. Baby. Of course, we go, we go for it, baby. We go for it. Anyway. Yeah.